walks on his feet. He looks up and gives me a grin and says, Hey, dude, you too must be from Marin. Marin County's A-OK from Tamastin and all the way to M.A. Fresh organic veggies in the market every day. Welcome to the Run TMC podcast. That is the Run the Marin County podcast, a podcast about basketball in Marin County. I am Duffy Ballard, and with me is my co-host and basketball aficionado, David Levine. How are you, Dave? You're once again preoccupied because you have a game in about an hour and a half. Worked out well last week, Duff. We, we recorded our intro, I went down the road to San Domenico and we beat university for the first time in a year and a half. So that was good. So we, we got Marin Academy today. Big game, big Marin rivalry. Um, I like the aficionado. I, you're, do you have a thesaurus somewhere over there? You're just coming up with new words. Uh, I, I took one from 1980 and I dug a hole in the hillside. And I put some dirt over it so the kids wouldn't get in there and steal it. Mm-hmm. And every time when I hear your truck drive up the driveway, I just go out there and get out of a shovel and find myself a nice $5 word. Some Dave. old words, some 40-year-old words. Yeah. Sweet. All right, what do we got, what do we got this week? Uh, first of all, no iced coffee today. We're taking a break. Well, you had something when you came in. Well, yeah, full disclosure, I had iced coffee on my way over here. Yeah, but you got your timing totally wrong. I did. And I had a... Diet, one of those small diet Pepsis. A little mini. Really exceptionally manly of me. Yep. Uh, uh, right before. Way to go. All right, we're jumping in. All right, MCAL update. I'm going to do the boys. You'll do the girls. Yep. Uh, you know, the hardcore fans probably all already have this information, but we'll cover things quickly. So, uh, Branson and Tam play tonight at College Marin. Game was supposed to be last night, but I guess the gym was overbooked. They are both 3-0, so that's a matchup of undefeated teams in MCAL. So uh, I'll probably be watching that on TAM TV later after our practice day. Sweet. Uh, Marin Catholic, they have been playing great. They have two wins over Redwood, the second one being a league win last night on a buzzer beater by Joe Hammond. They sent the game to overtime. Joe won it in overtime, but they sent it to overtime on a walk in or not a walk in a pull up three from the kid Dibble. Henry Dibble. Henry Dibble. I was there. It was uh, unbelievable. Right. It was it was Red an incredible, Red. incredible game. Um back and forth. And yeah, MC uh MC found a way to win it on two buzzer beaters. Yeah. Unbelievable. So Redwood sits at two and two. Novato got a win over San Rafael. They are two and one. San Rafael is 0 and three. San Marin is was off yesterday. Yep. They sit at 0-3, having three close losses up until now. Tara Linda uh, lost us last night, uh, Dave, and they are or 0-4. They put up a really gritty battle yep. on senior night. Uh, there were it was a disjointed game, 51 total fouls. Wow. Um, and uh, anyway, it was not the funnest game to be a part of, but yep. you know we were able to pull out that win by nine points. And uh, so Archie Williams is at uh, two and one. Play San Marin, San Marin Friday, alumni night. The great, legendary Pete Hayward will be there. Oh, wow. And any Drake grads out there that are listening, please come. Celebrate the program, the history of it. And even non-Drake grads are invited as well, Dave. So you would be invited. I would. As would I, since I'm not a Drake grad. I will be there. Um, 
And so it's interesting to see a team like San Marin, really good team. I've seen them play a couple times. This is the the challenge of the new round robin, right? You don't get teams twice. You get them once. They're 0-3. San Marin needs to win some games to make the playoffs. And they, they can start winning games right after Friday. Exactly. Right after, after Friday. After Friday, they are welcome to start winning games. Dave. Exactly. But a really good team. I mean, on the, on the boys' side, there are no easy games. I mean, I've seen Terra Linda play. Terra Linda's a really good team. They've got scorers. They're well-coached. The fact that they're 0-4 San Rafael, Gio Brabelli can fill it up. And, and Gio's got really good teammates around him. I saw them play. So, really competitive league. Agreed. Totally agreed. Okay, real quick, on the girls' side, Marine Catholic, 4-0, class of the league so far. I was at the Marine Catholic Redwood girls game last night. Uh, MC beat them by about 17 in a, in a good game. Uh, Ashley Saya, we've said it uh, way too many times, she can coach. And they just they play hard, they play together, they're looking great. Redwood's still very strong at 3-1, and one, played a very tough preseason schedule, still ranked very high in the Division II rankings in NCS. Tam, San Marin, and Archie are all 2-1. and one. Tam plays Branson tonight. Uh, that game, like the boys' game, was supposed to be last night, but they're going to play tonight. Uh, San Rafael and Nevada are at 1-2, and two, and Branson and Terra Linda are at 0-3. And, and Branson um, has had some close losses. Uh, so um, the girls' side, uh, like the boys' side, you know, the, the teams who are expected to be atop are, st- are there, but uh, anything can happen, particularly with a single round robin. And you can find scores in the Marin IJ, uh, but you can also find them on Max Preps. But the standings I found are a little hard. You kind of have to piece them together, right, Dave? So on Max Preps, if, if people go to maxpreps.com, that's kind of the source of truth. Um, and if you go to a team that you're interested in, like, for example, if you want to go to the Branson Girls, at the top of the Branson Girls page, there is a link for standings, and it should take you to the Marin County Athletic League standings. The one catch is it's not always updated mm-hmm. um, or, or real time. So, uh, but Max Preps is a good place to see the standings. And you know, I just found this out this year, Dave. But what you see on Max Preps for a particular team pretty pretty much depends on what that team chooses to enter onto Max Preps. For example, exactly. Some teams you'll find the roster. Sometimes some teams you'll find the roster and statistics. And we have some parents that are. Uh, you know, very generous with their time to enter that for Archie Williams. Some teams we found you won't even find a roster. Correct. So anyway, know that when you go search on Max Preps, it's not you're you're not going to get the same information on every team. Right. Correct. So. Uh, real quick, Duff, I'll, I'll give a shout out to the Bay Counties League West, uh, which is relevant to Marin here. So on the boys' side, San Domenico and Marin Academy both off to zero and three starts. Both have had some close games. The Bay Counties League is a really good league on the boys' side, particularly with University and Stewart Hall, um, two teams that will compete for state titles uh, in whatever division they are in uh, for NorCal. Really good teams. Urban is 2-2, two and two, also a really good team. Played a very tough strength, uh, preseason schedule. Joe Skifford does a great job. And Lick is very good, and they're 1-2. and two. So the Bay Counties League on the boys' side, very deep. On the girls' side, um, we're... Sitting at 3-0. and Again, we beat University last week, which was great. Um, they had beaten us four times last year, so it was nice to finally get a win there. We, we faced them again. So with the Bay Counties League, we still have a double round robin, so we play every team twice. Lick, Wilmerding, also 3-0. and Very good. We play them next week. University is 2-1. and MA is 1-2. and And then um, Urban and Convent 
are also um, kind of at the bottom of the league. Um, so very fun to be in, in season. Yeah, we played that Urban Boys team in the Bam Bauer. That was a very close game. They won NCS last year. Yes. Uh, Jake Rodriguez, lefty guard, really tough cover. And they got some you know, other good players around him as well. So I think even if they struggle in league, they are probably one of those teams that can make a deep run uh, into NorCal, uh, NCS and NorCal. And we've mentioned Joe Skiffer, who's the coach there, who played D1 at Boise State. Uh, great player in his own right. And he just has them. He's like an Ashley Sia and that and Tony Butler, these coaches who, regardless of the talent, the size, he, they, they just play hard and they compete. Um, they're not a fun team to play against, never. No, definitely not. Um, okay, moving on, Duff. We have a, uh, a little clip, uh, a mini interview that I did with Zach Borello. Zach is the Redwood Girls Varsity coach. He's also been involved with NBBA for many years. Uh, Zach and I sat down um, at the Redwood gym after one of their practices, and we had a five-minute chat about uh, a variety of topics, including an update on the second-place Redwood Girls Varsity team. So. Let's listen to that clip. All right, I'm here with Redwood Girls Varsity Coach and my buddy, Zach Borello. Hi, Zach. Hi, thanks for having me. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Nice to you. It's been a day. Yes. 24 hours, less than 24 hours. I know, I just wanted, to, just wanted to redo this. Yeah, let's, let's redo it. So uh, we're here in the annals of the Redwood Gym uh, with Zach, and I wanted to get a quick update from Zach on his thoughts on the MCAL. The MCAL regular season is launching Friday night Friday night so when this hits the air for our listeners it'll be will be in season um, so Zach why don't you give me your thoughts on the league your team what, whatever you want to talk about with the MCAL well MCAL is different this year we're playing a single round robin um, so we put everybody once which yeah. means it's got great meaning um, if you drop a game you don't get a second chance at them uh, right. unless it's the playoffs so it's a different um, it's a different scout it's a different look at and view of the league. Yeah. Um, I've kind of gone back and forth whether I like it or I don't like it. Um, I love playing league games. Um, league's hard. Everybody knows everybody and right. everybody's scouted and familiar opponents. Um, so league is league's going to be league's going to be challenging. It's going to be good. So we've talked about this a lot. It, it seems uh, so far this is benefiting you guys. Mm -hmm. You've taken advantage. You've played a tough preseason schedule. I know you guys are 10 and 4. You just won the West Coast, your bracket in the West yep. Coast Jamboree. Yep. Um, you guys, MC girls in particular, really challenging preseason schedule. You've got SI. Absolutely. You played them already. You're playing them again. So Played you guys. Played us. Played San Domenico. You guys beat us by three in this building. It was a great game. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's awesome. So I know, yeah. like you, I, I like the round robin, the, the double round robin, but um, it's been good for you guys, I think. Absolutely. To, to challenge yourself. Well, yeah. I mean, we can step outside the county and play teams that we wouldn't normally play. I mean, playing 16 league games, you only allowed 10 others. Now we're going out and getting 16 games. Right. Um, so a lot of us play in the Marine Catholic tournament, play San Ramon Valley, play SI, play you guys, play Montgomery. Yeah. Um, we play SI again. Um, it's, a, it's a good challenge. We're running the Sabrina UNESCO uh, Showcase Classic on January 20th. Great. Um, we don't know our opponent, but, I mean, if you look at the list of teams, it's going to be yeah. the who's who. I just told uh, Kelly Sopak, please don't uh, put me against Mitty. Right. <laughs> just the top five team in the country. Yeah, or yeah. maybe even number one now, right? I, I think so. So um, – it's interesting because you're a coach uh, who, in particular, you embrace video. Mm -hmm. You do a lot of homework. You're constantly texting me like, hey, do you have video on these guys? 
and we were talking about this before, you yeah. you have your players watch video, right? Just talk about that. Yeah, so I was actually watching film last night. Um, I think it's important for my players to see the visual. Sometimes it's just the gym. Sometimes it's how the players move. I mean, I'm going to have a full scout for them, but sometimes it's just their visual aid of, of kind of saying, oh, that girl's six foot. I mean, she's going to be six foot in real life, obviously, but it's, right. just, it's just good to kind of get a feel for it. Um, I think it's really important for kids. We usually don't spend more than 15, 20 minutes, yep. um, but we'll watch film on every opponent that we're going to play. Um, that is if I can find film. The one thing with COVID is uh, NFHS Network and Huddle and YouTube, now there's so much live streaming, yeah. actually makes it a little bit easier to, to scout. I actually ran into Coach Mike Fulton out of Pinole Valley. Um, and actually, t- this stuck with me. He's like, I just want to see him live in person. Because yeah. I was always like, oh, I got video, I got video. And so now I've kind of stuck with that the last three weeks, four weeks. Um, so I'll remember that one. Um, that is, Fulton and I were talking about this because we just got back from San Diego where we played some really good teams. Yeah. And you can watch video, and video is fantastic. For sure. Kevin Vasquez, your, your friend here at Redwood, yep. assistant voice coach, he's a video hound. Yes. But it is different when you see it in person. It's like, oh, they were big on video, but they weren't that big. It's mainly speed, I think, too. And speed, absolutely. Like, for example, Marine Catholic, I mean, their speed that they play with the last couple of years, yeah. I mean, you just can't match it on film, um, but you can, you can match it once you see it, and, right. you, and you feel it, and you're like, okay, that's a different type yeah. of speed. Now, do you like to watch video or show your kids video of yourselves? Uh, sometimes. Um, we had talked about this a little bit before. Yeah. It's, it's hard to watch film. It's hard to watch good things versus bad things. Um, sometimes when you're in a setting with your teammates, it's like, I'm going to turn the ball over here in about seven seconds and I know it. And it's like, yeah. it's not, it's kind of productive. It's like, they know they turn the ball over. It's like telling a kid that there was a bad shot. They know it's a bad shot. Right. I mean, it's a varsity, varsity athlete. They, yeah. You don't need to be like, oh, that was a bad pass or we can make better decisions. Um, I'll meet with them more one-on-one with my coaches just to be like, hey, do you, you can make this decision a little bit differently, or do you see, or do you see that extra pass over here, right. and make it really productive, and it's less yeah. o- over over stimulating for the kids. Totally. Um, totally. But I, I find film is amazing. I watch so much of it. It's yeah. it's 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 probably a little bit more more than I need to. That's great. Well, um, fun to fun to catch up. So let's go. I got another you know thirty seconds or so. Why don't you give me a quick what's your what's your take on Redwoods? Outlook for the MCAL. We are deep. I played 10 kids. Um, it all starts with Rue Todd. Yep. Um, she had 28 in our West Coast Championship MVP, the Ivory Bracket. Um, so that was a huge accomplishment. Um, Maya Sable, shooter, walks in the gym. She's open. Yep. Uh, Molly and Ainsley Gallagher, hustlers, scrappy. Ainsley's hit a couple huge threes for us late uh, against Montgomery in, in, in the uh, Arcadia game in the West Coast Championship. That was huge. Uh, Kitty White, I mean, had an unbe- yep. unbelievable freshman year. Um, she's poised to have an unbelievable sophomore year in career here. Yep. Brooke Denler, I mean, it's just she sets the tone for, for our physicality and how we rebound. Yep. Um, and then I play with four freshmen. Um, awesome. So it's, 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 a good, it's a good problem to have. Awesome. Um, we're deep. We're fast. Um, we pride ourselves in defending. Um, we shoot a lot of threes. Thank you, Steph Curry. Um, but it's a fun style. It's a fast-paced style. Yep. That's, um, that's, so the, that's the game today. Yeah. Well, uh, good luck this year. I'm glad we don't play you again. Uh, one of the best teams in Division Two in Northern California. Appreciate um, that. Excited to see where you guys take it. All right. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Well, cool. Thank you, Coach. Uh, and great stuff. I think maybe just to take a moment to talk about watching, watching film. Yeah. Uh, because that's something that we've incorporated quite a bit uh, at Archie. And I do think it's important, uh, and there are some different strategies, but watching together uh, and selecting 
uh, using a using the playlist function on Huddle yeah. uh, to create a series of clips uh, it, it is a very efficient way to look at the, what the other team does. It's also a pretty efficient way. We did this earlier in the year where we did a clip of all 50 turnovers, I think 46 to 50 turnovers we had in the first several games of the year. And we just mm. looked at every single one of them in quick succession. So it wasn't calling out individual players so much, but it was just, you know, what are the what are the trends that we see in these turnovers? And we picked up some trends and we cleaned it up. So whether it was the film or not, I don't know, but it, it couldn't have hurt. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think uh, Zach nailed it when he talked about the, the difference between uh, watching film is so useful and really for tendencies of players. For As a coach, I like watching just to see, okay, what do they run and just get a semblance of the sets and, and what they're running. But it is true, uh, the speed component does not always come through on, on video. And for example, we played Long Beach Poly. I've mentioned this a couple times. Really good team. They beat us by 15 or so. Uh, and they look tough on film, but the speed in person was staggering. Um, so that's one thing that doesn't always come through in the film. Yeah, size and speed, absolutely. <clears throat> I was visiting Dave with a college buddy of mine uh, back east. He coaches at Westford Academy outside of Boston. And he was talking about scouting. He's like, I got to go in person because of the speed. I got in, he, he coaches girls. He's like, in particular, like there's a huge differential in, in speed across our league. Yep. And uh, you can't always, yeah, it's hard to catch that on film. Yeah. Well, uh, one thing I want to point out, or actually two quick things on the Zach Borello discussion. One, so our guest for this episode, Alex Pribble, uh, mentions Zach because they were teammates at Drake. And a lot of people in Marin know Zach as a coach uh, at Redwood. And he was at Branson before on the girls' side. But Zach was a hell of a player. And Alex Pribble mentions that, that Zach was a really talented player. Um, so <clears throat> for the kids out there um, who maybe Zach has coached you before, Zach could play. Uh, and then the second thing, Zach wanted me to mention that there were two seniors who were injured when we recorded this and, and didn't get mentioned. He wanted to make sure uh, that we mentioned them. Uh, Lily Grand and Tatum McPeak, both you know key contributors, just, just injured right now. So thanks to Coach Borello for that, uh, for that chat. It was really fun to talk to him. Uh, so Dave, one last note on film. Uh, we have, uh, we play Sam, Sam Marin on Friday, as I mentioned. Tomorrow night, we'll have a film session before our practice. And we're gonna watch in, in, in its entirety the first half of our last game against them last year, Ooh. Uh, which the first half score, any guesses as to what it was, is home game, senior night okay. for Archie. Now, I was not coaching, I was, but I was there. I was watching. All right, I have no idea. I had some pretty good guesses last time when we were talking right. about buzzer beaters. Let's see. I'm going to guess the halftime score was 11 to 9. Not even remotely close. Damn it. It was 45 to 14, San Marin. Okay. They played this... I believe a three-two zone got out in the passing lanes and just ran up and down the floor. Forty-five points and a half. Forty-five points and a half. Forty-five to fourteen. Did Cubley have like thirty-six of those? He had a lot, and I believe I seem to recall three to four dunks. Okay. Uh, so anyway, we're going to watch that. Uh, big turnover in the team, so only a couple of the guys were actually a part of that last year. But we're going to we're just going to take a look, see what see what feelings emerge from that. Okay. Good luck. All right, moving on. Duff, let's get to the glossary. You're not a feelings guy, are you, Dave? I'm, I'm, I'm not in my feelings right now. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, bringing back the glossary. I've got a glossary term, actually kind of two terms, and uh, Dave has a quote. Look at you, Dave. Yeah, you go first. Okay. So um, the bounce and the drop, uh, these are terms 
from uh, help side defense and in particular the sh uh, shell drill. We've talked about running shell before with a number of our guests. Uh, essentially the bounce is the baseline help. It's the person that is guarding the farthest on the weak side, the opposite side of the court from where the ball is. And if the ball gets driven towards the baseline, their role is to get to the block, outside of the block, approximately right on the line, and then bounce that dribble attacker essentially off their chest and their arms. So they're walling up, they're getting their hands up in the air, and their goal, their goal is to bounce them back so that they don't get to the rim. Then at the same time that that's happening, the defender that is next closest, or sorry, next farthest away from the ball is dropping essentially to the level of the ball. So however deep the dribble gets, that same player is dropping down as secondary help in case there's a cutter coming from the weak side baseline. And so they're dropping there to take away that easy dump pass. So the bounce and the drop, there are a lot of ways to drill this. There's a great drill that I picked up from Coach Gaffney mm -hmm. uh, last year, which is essentially a 2v2 drill, but it starts with the coach making a dribble drive towards the block. One defender has to come over, wall up and bounce. The other drop, defender has to drop. And then the coach with the ball can choose one of the two offensive players who are in the corner and on the wing. They can skip it and that's live two on two. Scramble, Great drill. recover uh, and help. So, On the drop, this is also referred to as help the helper, right? So you have one player who's helping on that baseline drive, but the, the player who that defender was guarding might cut to the basket so you got to help the helper and that's what the drop is right and uh you'll see teams often get stuck on on that or, or or aren't they maybe do a great job on the initial bounce but they don't drop and they give up a layup right to run the zone defense that we call man-to-man -man defense properly you have to have a good bounce and drop that's not let's not start this <laughs> stuffy uh, okay, that's a great one. Two two good terms, two for the price of one. Um, so I was too lazy to come up with a glossary term, but I, I read recently a quote that I liked that I will share. Um, Kevin Eastman, who's a, a coach, he's been a Celtics assistant. He was the head coach at Washington State for a number of years. He's coached at a variety of Division One programs. Great coach. He was speaking about discipline, and I just I liked this quote. And he said, discipline is doing what you should do over what you want to do. Maturity is when what you should do is what you want to do. And I just, I like that. So obviously in the context of basketball and coaching, um, having a disciplined team is important. Having a mature team is even better, um, both in terms of playing on the court, practice, um, ability to kind of focus, get your schoolwork done, do all that stuff. Uh, but then this is a, also a quote that you can extend to just your life, right? How do, you, how do you manage your life and your time? Um, and as you get older, I think you get more mature. You realize that um, doing what you should do is what you want to do. Now, let's assume that this podcast is what we want to do. Right. Is it also what we should be doing? That is a, that's a very deep question. Um, I think the perspective on that would probably depend on who you were and how much time it was taking away from other family activities or job-related activities? There's a, there's a concept of opportunity cost in, in life, Duff. Um, but I think uh, this podcast is absolutely what I want to be doing, and it's, I think it's what we should be doing as well. Okay, well, moving on, Dave. 
what we should be doing right now is what? Well, I, I thought you were going to ask me what time it was. Uh, we should talk about our sponsors. We should be recognizing that it's sponsor time. Sponsor time. So I'll start North Bay Basketball Academy, NBBA. We love NBBA. Uh, a couple exciting things coming up. So we have some small, Marin Small Groups and Shooting Academy at Terra Linda High School on Sundays. Uh, actually started last Sunday, the 14th. Runs through mid-February for 3rd to 8th graders. Um, go to the www.northbaybasketball.com for more information about that. And it's probably the new gym, right? The beautiful new Terra Linda gym. They're, they it's starting to they put some pennants up there. It's it's a great great atmosphere. Very clean visiting locker room too, Dave. I believe uh, there aren't any like punches holes in the wall or anything like that. Brand new, yeah. brand new gym. It's got that new car smell. Uh, so there's Marin Small Group and Shooting Academy on the mornings on Sundays. And then there's also Sunday night skills and scrimmage at Terra Linda. Uh, players will be separated by skill level and age. So go to the NBBA website to check it out. Thank you, NBBA, for being a sponsor. Thank you, NBBA. And next up is the Hub. Uh, we have run the gamut of their prepared uh, remarks with regards to their services. I think that happened two episodes ago. But we'll just reiterate that the Hub is a great place for grass-fed burgers, really excellent fries. I think I've mentioned before the Brussels sprouts are a personal favorite of mine. Very good. Uh, the salads are healthy, but also interesting and you know, have uh, a lot of variety to them, Dave. And you can get some protein on there. Uh, and great atmosphere. We love the Hub. Thank you, uh, Jerry and Rebecca and the rest of the hub staff. And then finally, the Nike camps at San Domenico, our friend Jeff Skaggs, who you heard episode, what was that, episode 16 maybe? Um, great camps in the summer, basketball camps at San Domenico, unbelievable coaching staff, great experience for the kids. Uh, go to ussportscamps.com and look up the Nike basketball camp at San Domenico for more information, but um, send your kids there, it's a great spot. Yep. Got a great staff there, the Skagger. All right. So we're going to get to our guest, Duffy. And Duffy had the awesome idea. Um, by the way, listeners, most of the good ideas, most if not all of the good ideas that you've heard on this podcast are Duffy's ideas. So just uh, getting that out there. Uh, he had the idea. We had Coach Alex Pribble, who is just a great person such a fun discussion and Duffy had the idea to break it up into two episodes because Prib has so much to say about it as a player. He had an amazing career and we get into it in detail. And then he's had uh, an unbelievable career as a coach where he's currently a division one head coach at Idaho. So this episode, we talk about Pribble as a player and then the next episode, which will come out in a couple days, we focus on his coaching career. Right. Uh, I'm not going to argue with regards to the ideas, Dave. Thank you for that. I do appreciate it's it. True, um, but you know what? You are very good at complimenting my ideas and going along with them, even if they're not good ideas. So yeah, I think you know, there's as we talked about before, there's a yin and yang to this. Uh, they're all good ideas, Duff. So sadly, the, 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 this was a great interview, and Prib is one of my favorite people. The problem is Duffy's audio went out midway through the interview, so you'll notice that we lose Duffy. We were doing this on, on the web because uh, Alex was in Idaho. Um, so we lost Duffy, which is sad, but he still could hear us. So you'll also hear there's a clickety-clacking of my keyboard. 
Sometimes that happened more really in the second episode. I apologize for that, but that was Duffy and I communicating. I, I, I wanted to make sure I could ask the questions that Duffy wanted to ask. So um, anyway, this first episode, we focus on Prib's playing days. We go through his whole background. I won't rehash it here. It's a great listen. He's an awesome guy, and he's um, a great ambassador for Marin basketball. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit more in the outro, but really appreciate him taking the time uh, during his, you know, uh, Division One season, uh, making some time for us and talking uh, for uh, enough material to fill two episodes. Yeah, and uh, we were very fortunate to to get him, and um, we will have many more nice things to say about him, Dave, won't we? Uh, okay. And I should say this is episode twenty-one. We didn't mention that. Yes, it's episode twenty-one. And before we go to the interview, uh, remember that you can find us on the web at the Run TMC podcast website uh you can email us at the run tmc podcast at gmail.com you can find us on instagram and uh we will also as mentioned once before we will be doing a sponsor pledge drive that will be before our next episode episode 22 which is the second part of the coach pribble interview so there we go dave sounds good duff housekeeping stuff all right should we get on with the interview let's get to prib all right take it away coach all right, we're going. Coach Alex Pribble is with us. Prib, thank you for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Love what you guys are doing. So uh, we're honored to have uh, Alex Pribble. And uh, Duffy, in his infinite wisdom, has had the idea that we were going to kind of break this up into, into two different episodes, which is a great idea because Alex has so much to offer, um, both as a player and as a coach. So we're going to start off talking about his playing career and then we'll go into his, his coaching career. And, uh, there's a lot to say about both of them. So Prib, I'm going to do a, uh, your background, um, so that our listeners understand. I think a lot of them probably know who you are. You're a legend in Marin. Um, so, uh, Fairfax native, right? Yep. yep that's right. D- graduate of Drake high school. Duffy, how many Drake grads now? Have we had this like number 48? The exact, the like exact number that we should, right? I um, mean, it's it's two, completely proportional. Totally, go. totally. Uh, Prib 2003, is that right? Yep, that's right, 03. Okay, played for Doug Ellen on some good Drake teams. We're going to get into your, your Drake experience. Uh, Prib then went to UC Berkeley where he walked on. Um, and was a walk-on his freshman and sophomore years, and then you earned a scholarship, right? Yeah, it's a, uh, scholarship junior and senior year, yep. Beautiful. So played for for Ben Braun. We're going to talk about that. Um, and then post-college, he embarked on a coaching career that um, he is currently enjoying. He's now a Division One coach at Idaho um, with some, some awesome steps along the way. Duffy, we are going to get to... I'm going to give you a chance to talk about the shoot tournament. So, so Prib is a legend on the courts of, of the, the outdoor courts of Marin playing an old man basketball. Um, that's so going to be we're, we're going to give Duffy a chance to three episodes. That's, a, that's going to be about a four and a half hour, yeah, four and a half hour discussion from Duffy. Um, but so Prib, just real quick. So you were a, you were a grad assistant at Berkeley, uh, right, right when you graduated or, or your last yeah, year there? One year was a grad assistant for Ben Braun. Um, it was the year right after I played. So a lot of it was kind of being a practice player, but it was my first kind of peek behind the curtain of what coaching is all about. Yep. Perfect. 
Then you uh, came back to Marin and were at Tam High, where you were a teacher and a coach for a couple of years, three years, right? Yeah, three years, three years. Yeah, that was an unbelievable experience. My brother's still teaching there today. A lot of great friends could could absolutely have just kind of set up shop and lived my life right there as a teacher and coach. Lo- loved every minute of that. Yep. But being you, you're you're constantly striving, and you then went to uh, to join our friend Paul Trevor at San Francisco State as an assistant coach, Division Two. Was it D two at that time? It was D two. Yeah, yeah. San yeah, Francisco yeah. State Educators. Yeah, the great Paul Trevor. Absolutely. We're going to talk about Trev. Uh, went from SF State to up to Eastern Washington as an assistant coach for a couple years. Then got his first college head coaching gig at St. Martin's University, um, where there's a bunch of Marin connections uh, up there. Lukey Chavez, Brandon Kennelvort played for you. Dave Granucci was on your staff, uh, another guest of this podcast. Uh, Mike Hayward, right, was on your staff. Absolutely. So uh, a lot of Marin stuff. Um, And then went to Seattle University as uh, associate head coach. Yep. Yeah, associate head coach for four years there. I kind of played like an offensive coordinator role during my time there. Gotcha. And Seattle's D1, also some Marin connections. Victor Reykjavik. Reykjavik, yep, absolutely. Yep. Reykjavik and Wilhelm Brett yep. from, from Drake. So Victor, awesome player for Branson, played for Jonas at Branson. I loved watching him play in high school. He's a great kid too. Uh, and Will, another awesome kid, played for Brett Tavani at, at Drake, at Archie. Um, both kids who, who Prib recruited up to Seattle. And then – can't forget Darion Trammell either. That was a big, big piece of the puzzle oh, out there. Yeah. Uh, shame on me. Um, and we talked about him a couple times. That's right. Uh, Darion was there before he yeah. he made the leap down to San Diego State. Uh, and then finally, Prib landed uh, his first head coaching D1 job at Idaho in lovely Moscow, Idaho, where he's joining us. We can see the gym behind him. Um, and uh, that's where he is. This is his first season as a head coach of the Vandals. Absolutely. I got the hot coffee with me. Now, I know it's an iced coffee podcast. Oh, you know, like it's trip. 30 degrees outside. It's freezing cold. So forgive me, but I got the, the extra hot coffee in here this morning. Prib, I don't know if you've had the chance to listen to our Chad Stewart con Dunning interview. We just we just posted it like two days ago. But um, yeah. but Chad's an old school guy. He's he's more of a hot coffee guy. Duffy and I are, are we're old, but we're young. Prib, we're, we're, we're in the iced coffee game. Hey, so, I get it. I get it. Time all right. Let's, uh, let's talk yeah. about the early... Mm-hmm. All good. Well, hot tough. coffee. Hot coffee. <clears throat> Frog. We can Could, edit this. Do you one. need medical treatment, Duff? No, we can. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I need hot coffee. There you go. You need all hot right, coffee. I get it. Good. We're good. Um, all right. So, Prib, let's talk about your hoops journey because there aren't many people who can say they played Division One basketball, let alone Pac-10 basketball. And by the way, the Pac-10. It's gone, but um, that's another topic. So let's talk about you growing up in Fairfax and your your basketball journey. When did you start? Talk about your CYO experience, if you played it, and who your coaches were. Kind of talk about the early years of your playing career. Absolutely, man. Well, when you guys reached out about this podcast, it's funny because every episode I've listened to so far, I swear what you the stories you're telling could have happened in my life as well, you know? Um, Grew up in Fairfax, uh, spent a lot of time with the Fairfax Pavilion, playing with the, the Fultons, um, you know, at some of their their weekend clinics. Obviously, an incredible experience there. Was a, a St. Rita's player in CYO. Um, initially played for my dad. My dad was our coach. 
want to say third, fourth and fifth grade. And then uh, the great Dr. Bill Elliott, um, who, who many people are familiar with in, in Sleepy yes. Hollow, um, was was our coach. He took over in sixth grade. So we had we actually ended up bringing over. These are all my, my very best friends to this day, believe it or not. But we ended up bringing over kind of the best player from St. Anselm's, Pete Elliott, and the best player from San Domenico, Brian Fleming. And a couple of our players and we built this little sixth grade power team at st rita's um and nice. we became best friends all the way through high school and our, and our best friends to this day um so an incredible experience for me at a young age of just playing cyo basketball for st rita's um also played for white hill middle school i don't know if they're doing much middle school basketball anymore these days yeah yeah that was a they are yeah and it, that was actually a big part of my journey too because i played for a guy named dave mariani who um of course rest in peace he he was an, a huge influence on my life because he was the first guy that kind of took me out of the marine bubble we could talk about that a little more but um played for you know this kind of power team at white hill middle school weren't really challenged very much in that middle school league and then he ended up taking us um to the richmond ymca and playing over there and just kind of getting outside of our comfort zone a little bit and that's where we really awesome. grew um, and got better. So just an incredible, uh, both as a player, but, but way more so as a person, as a young, young kid to, to grow and kind of get outside the comfort zone a little bit. So played for St. Rita's played for Whitehill middle school. Um, and that journey kind of took me up, up to Drake. And I think probably the biggest influence on my playing career was, was pirate camp. Um, you know, it was growing up and going to every single week of pirate camp and then coaching every single week that I could as, as a uh, coach, yeah. as a, just an unbelievable tradition there, as we've talked about on many of your episodes. So whether it's the pirate, uh, the Drake outdoor courts or the pirate camps in the summer, that's kind of how I, how uh, my playing time was formed. I love it. So I, when, when I was sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I, I played on some teams that um, went out of Marin, went into the city, went into the East Bay. Yeah. And we talked a lot with you. I know you listened to the, the poser Granucci episode about yeah. the value of playing with and against players you don't know. Right. And how that's such a that's such a learning experience. It, it takes you out of your comfort zone. First of all, it's, it's a challenge. Right. I mean, it, you're 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 playing against a broader pool of people, but you also got to figure out kind of on a social level. How do you how do you walk onto the court with people you don't know? Right. And you're such a personable, energetic guy. I think that was probably, you know, some of that was informed by those experiences when you're young putting yourself in these situations where you're playing against people you don't know. Right. And with no, you're, spot on. you're spot on. And it's true with all sports across the board. You know, I played basketball was my love, but I played, you know, soccer a ton. I played baseball all the way through high school, all that, all that kind of stuff. But on the basketball court, yeah, you form these bonds. You get to know people really quick. I, I love hearing your guys' stories about all the pickup ball you're playing and, you know, the over 35 league. I wish I was down there to play with you guys. Cause yeah. you know, it's, you just, you create these relationships on the court. Um, and when you're in Marin, you form these tight bonds and you're kind of in that bubble. It was a very special experience for me growing up. But to step outside of Marin, um, you know, Dave would, he would pack us up in his, he had, he had this white van and he'd throw eight of us in there. Um, we would go over there and he'd bring these seized candy boxes over there to, to uh, you know, invite people to come, like run the scoreboard yeah. for us. He'd give them a box of seized candy if they'd run the scoreboard. And we'd just sit there and play. And there was like four teams. And if you won, you got to stay on the court. It was that kind of environment. Um, and it was Wednesdays after school and it was an unbelievable experience because it just took us outside of our comfort zone. He taught us kind of how to walk into a new environment with our chin held high and just kind of go out there on the court and compete. And those first couple of times we were so uncomfortable. Um, and, and, you know, we started to learn, we started to build great friendships. So, you know, a month into it, we walk into the gym at YMCA and it's 
all our buddies that we're talking to, you know, these kids from completely different backgrounds and communities. And it, it was a very special experience for, for me. I think, you know, developmentally um, as a person, it had a huge impact as well. That's, that's awesome. What a cool story. So, you know, today the young kids, it's great. We have, they have access to skills trainers, to NBBA, to 24-8, to these amazing guys who and women who um, have played the game and are really good at teaching it. When you were growing up, you know, we had the Fultons, right? I mean, we, and we've talked about that. Like the Fairfax Pavilion was our skills training thing. But did you do, how did you hone your game outside of yeah. playing in CYO and, and White Hill? I mean, were you down at the, did you have a rim at your house? Were you out at the, at the playground playing yeah. pickup? Like, how did you get so good as a, as a kid? It was very different than it is today. There, there weren't the same types of skill trainers. I think you're right. The Fultons were probably the, the closest thing. Um, yeah. I was really young during my time at Fairfax Pavilion with the Fultons, you know, and I have these memories of walking into the pavilion and just kind of grabbing a basketball and they would do these circle layups, but there were some yeah. legends in the gym. They had, they were just kind of more focused on the women's side. I remember like Brooke Smith in there and I think like Keith yeah. Williams and just some unbelievable uh, yeah. women's players that were in the, in the pavilion. I just liked being around it. So it learned a little bit of, you know, fundamentals and structures, but I learned the game at Pirate Camp, um, and then I learned the yeah. game through the station work at Pirate Camp. I think a lot of people did as well, um, but there wasn't there wasn't skill development. I learned it out there on the court playing pickup ball. So I would, you know, when I was old enough, I would take my bike and I'd ride it down to the outdoor courts at Drake, and I'd watch the games. And hopefully, you know, maybe the sun was going down, and they only had eight guys, and I could get them to, to pick me up on one of the teams, you know, and. There's so many legends out there on the outdoor course. I couldn't even start yeah. to talk about the names of the people who were playing out there. But I would I would go there and I would watch and I'd go on the far end and shoot around on my own. Um, and I was just I was always around the game. I think that was the big piece of it. So my brother, who you know I can talk about, but is is, is my role model. Um, yeah. You know I've been really lucky to kind of walk in his footsteps, and he's five years older than me. So when he was playing at Drake, I was filming the games. You know I was I was in there in the stands filming the games nice. when he was. Um, you know, playing, I was just always kind of around the game, I guess is the easiest way to put it. So a lot of outdoor pickup ball, um, you know, even like recesses and all that kind of stuff. We were just always playing yeah. and that's how I learned it more than through skill development. So Prib, we are contractually obligated to mention Buck Chavez in every episode. So can you just, can you mention Buck Chavez right now? Absolutely. I mean, I, and in fact, I was about to do it because you talk about those names on the outdoor courts and obviously Buck's the right. first name that comes to mind, you know, but for me, it's funny because I was probably... I don't know, sixth grade or something. I'm riding my bike down there and everybody had these nicknames, you know, so Buck wasn't Buck Chavez at the time. Buck was the guy who wore the pajamas and had the beanie on and was killing everybody <laughs> right. out there on the court, you know, and then there was of Mike course. the Cop from San, San Rafael and there was, uh, you know, Singh from from uh, the Valley. And there were, there were all these guys, I mean, just just legends that were playing out there all the time. So, sure. yeah, I mean, I got lucky because I would I would watch and, and maybe play a little bit. And then if I got Buck Chavez or somebody to, to pull me off to the side and, and teach me something, you know, give me a little yeah. nugget here or there. That, that was my form of skill training and skill development at that edge. Yes. Awesome. Well, Bucky, I mean, yeah, the pajamas is a, that's a, that's a, an image we've heard a lot about and I've seen it. So Priv, we, we had a bunch of, um, we had a, a couple of people give us feedback on you or just, you know, perspective on you. Uh -huh. um, Duffy has an item, please Duffy. Oh, I was just going to mention, I saw Buck just two days ago coaching, coaching with Neil Chavez for Cam, and he was rocking those pajamas on the on the sidelines. So he's still tr I mean, staying true, staying true. He looked great. I love so every that. high schooler, every high schooler today wears pajamas just at school. So Buck was ahead of, this was 30 years ago. Buck was just ahead of the game. 
That's right. And look, but Buck, you know, I could talk about this, the Chavez family forever and ever because um, Lukey played for me at St. Martin's and they're just yeah. unbelievable, unbelievable people um, for so many reasons. And I feel like I've, you know, I've seen Buck growing up. Buck was, he would come to our games and he'd watch. And this is when Luke and Neil were, were young and their whole family, Skyler. Um, but yeah. Buck is also just genuinely an incredible person. So him coaching, you know, him being around the kids is such a, a valuable thing for, for everybody. You know, even when we were up at St. Martin's, Buck would be rallying our fans and he'd be talking and he, you know, he's just, he's an incredible person, a great spirit about him. And Lukey, his son is probably my favorite person in the world. So it's uh, yeah. you know, it's a great family and, and really honored to kind of know them. Un- unbelievable. Life, Buck has a life force around him, right? He That's does. just incredibly positive and uh, he's a, he's a special, special guy and special family. So Chad Stewart, Prib, uh, gave us some great nuggets on you. Um, uh, he was your freshman coach, I believe. He was. He was. He was. You know, uh, and, and I listened to a little bit of his, of his episode. I, it's hard to know that. You know, he. I guess he was really young at the time. He, he said he was kind of only 19, 20 years old. He didn't yeah. feel that way because he has this personality about him. He just demands respect right away, and he took it so seriously in a great way. He was so passionate about it that yeah. part of my love for the game was started then too. Like Chad did a great job with us when we were just freshmen. So uh, yeah, awesome. It's also his deep voice, I think, right? It makes him feel older. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so he, he, a couple of things he said about you that I really liked. One was your work ethic, and you're you're the classic. Like you see it in you know, in bad movies, the kid who's just always got the basketball in his hands, and then he goes on to be you know point guard for the Knicks, right? That that's you. Like you were that kid that just. He said you were like Pistol Pete. You if you're if you saw Prib walking around, he was dribbling a basketball. He you had a ball in your hands. Um, I was, I was kind of like that. I just never became as, as good a player as you were, but, um, you just, you just loved it. Right. And so was that just innate for you or was that maybe cause your, your, your brother who you said is five years older, did, yeah. did he like, what, what, what drove this love of basketball for you when you were a kid? Yeah, but I appreciate it. I appreciate him saying that it didn't really feel that way for me, to be honest. It kind of just felt like that's, that's what my, where I was comfortable, um, you know, just growing up as any other young kid in Marin County, you know, some people have uh, little gadgets that they're playing with and just keeping them busy and keeping them focused. Yeah. Or now they got the screens. And for me, it was a basketball. So, yeah, I mean, P- Pistol Pete, obviously, that was <laughs> a great movie. And, that, and maybe that gives a little bit. But I had the Drake Camp basketball. You know, I had the green and white basketball in my hands and I just walk around town and that that's where I was comfortable. Um, so my friendships were formed on the basketball court and were formed on the, on the, you know, soccer field and the baseball uh, field. And so yeah. I was just always playing sports. That was, that was kind of my comfort zone. So yeah, it was a work ethic thing um, from the standpoint of I loved doing it. And so I was there all the time and I was always around it, but never felt like work. Um, you know, it just always felt like something I loved. And even to this day, like I'm so yeah. unbelievably grateful to have my day to day be, you know, basketball, be coaching basketball. And, and we, yeah. you know, we can talk about that plenty more in the future, but I tell you what, like I, I try not to have a day pass me by that. I'm not grateful to, to recognize like, look, I get to show up to a gym every day and I get to coach young men every day and play, you know, be around a game I love every day. So that's never left. Um, so call it work ethic or just call it getting lucky in life. You know, I get yeah. to be around sports every day. So created your own luck, but um, so that's a good segue into your Drake time. Cause Chad mentioned also that you were, you were pretty small as a freshman. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you were you were a skinny, small guard, right? And then you grew. I don't know about skinny, but I was small for sure. You were small, yeah. All right, fine. Some Phyllis's giant burgers, maybe. Um, yeah. So you um, you grew over your high school years, yep. right? But I mean, Chad kind of made the point that you're you developed these skills, kind of a small little guy skills, right? You could handle 
you could shoot it. And then as you kind of grew into your body, those skills were so valuable. We talked to Dave Granucci about kind of the same thing that, that, you know, Granucci grew consistently, but he, he grew up, his dad was his CYO coach and he was, he was taught you got to handle the ball, you know, even though you're, because when he was, I remember playing at the pavilion with Dave Granucci, he was not a very big guy when he was in sixth and seventh grade. Right. So did that, did those guard skills when you were a little guy help you as you got older? I think that was a big part of it. Um, but I would maybe take it one step further. You know, like I said, there was no skill training. There was no real, I wasn't sitting there working on my ball handling all the time or doing these Steph Curry shooting drills. It was nothing like that. I just played the game so much that I think I had a pretty good feel for the game. And I would honestly, I'm a big proponent of playing multiple sports. Um, I think yeah. that my, my ability on the basketball court was directly related to just kind of spacing and concepts that came from the soccer field. Um, I really hmm. think, I, I believe strongly in that kind of having a good feel and other sports that I played led to success on the basketball court. And so, yeah, I was, I was small and I kind of developed some point guard skills and that, that definitely helped. But um, as I grew, I think it was between my sophomore and junior year and got a little bit bigger. It was more, I think just kind of a, a feel for the game that, that helped me be successful more than a specific ball handling skill or shooting ability. Um, you know, D- Dave Granucci is a good example. He was six, eight point guard out there at Drake. I lo- yeah. loved watching him play and, um, I, I never felt it was never like that for me. It was more just um, playing the game, trying to make the guys around me better, trying to win, competing, um, and just yeah. enjoying that process. Awesome, awesome, good answer. So, so talk about playing for for Drake in the early two thousands, the MCAL. I mean, why don't we start with you know? So your high school coach was Doug Denellen, right? So what what did you what did you learn from from Doug? What was uh, what was that experience like? Yeah, Doug was and is a huge part of my life. Um, he, for so many reasons, he was a great coach. Um, you know, for me, I think about coaching as teaching and coaching as as leadership. Um, and Doug was both of those things. So when I was really young, he was kind of a larger than life figure. You know, his pirate camp sitting there at the table, you know, where Pete Hayward used to sit. And he's right there yep. in the middle. And maybe he'd call you over. And if he was talking to you, it was like this, you know, that the mayor of town was, was one of the things. <laughs> right. Right. He kind of had so so we always kind of held him in this, you know, on this big pedestal of, of Doug Donnell and then how special of just a kind of a, a role he had in the community. And then as I got to know him more and I got to play for him, he taught me a lot of important lessons. You know, he ran that program much like a, a college program where the accountability was very high. Um, and and yeah. he I've heard some, you know, Tyler Gaffney and some of the people on your your program or on your podcast talk about, um, you know, running a program and just ha- how invested you have to be. And Doug was that. I mean, Doug cared so deeply about the players in his program, cared so deeply about, you know, the success of his program. So he put together these detailed practice plans, incredibly in-depth scouting reports. He had us prepared. Guys loved playing for him. Um, you know, just from my experience with him, he, he was a fantastic basketball coach and a great leader for us. And, and um, even to this day, man, he, he's had an impact in my life in a lot of ways. He's still a guy that I text and call and talk to because I know he cares about me. And and, and when you have coaches that care about you, um, that's yeah. all you can really ask for. Beautiful. So how were your teams uh, when, when you were there? Pretty good. Pretty good. You know, we won a regular season championship and uh, – you know, I think it ended short. You know, I've got some some sour memories about that, <laughs> just like I'm sure we all do. But yep. at the same time, it, it was a you know it was a great great run. You know, we were okay. Kind of my sophomore year, I, I got a good opportunity my sophomore year to start uh, playing a little more. It's kind of where my career changed as I grew a little bit my sophomore year and um, ended up starting during that that season um, and and kind of got we got better over time. Then my junior year, we were solid. My senior year was kind of the culmination of that group of guys that had been together for a long time and. 
the league was fantastic at the time. Um, you know, guys like Alec Von Tellrop over at Marin Catholic and Michael Turner yeah. was a sophomore at the time. Um, you know, Tim Morgan at Novato High School. There was just, there was so much talent. Jada Maestri, um, you know, who's who's now obviously the Redwood coach who was at yep. Tamil High School at the time. So just really talented players. Um, when I was younger, there were guys like Will Venable and Stevie Johnson and um, just, you know, Gene Barnes. So just a really yeah. good, fun stretch of, of MCAL basketball. And playing for Drake, I really had a sense of pride in what I was doing. I really cared about it, maybe too much at times. Like, you know, you wear the emotions on the sleeves a little bit because you just care so deeply about what you're doing. Um, and I think you just even that in itself was a great lesson for, you know, 16 to 18-year-old kids caring so deeply about something bigger than themselves, I think is really important. So Drake basketball is very, very special. And yeah, it was an important time in my life. That's awesome. And I want, I want to give one shout out, yeah, to to our listeners uh, who may not know Jada Maestri, who's on the sidelines at Redwood, the dude could play. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I bet he still can. He, he shoots the heck out of the basketball, man. He's, yeah. He's, yeah, big time player. I know. Um, Priv, you were MCAL player of the year. You didn't mention that. Um, but, uh, that's, so that was senior year. That was senior year. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, we won the, we won the regular season championship. So you got to give it to the guy on the, on the team that won the regular season championship. There was a lot of talented players in the league there. And, uh, <laughs> but Lost. honestly, like we, we, no, we, we did, we, we had a good team. Um, and even guys on my team, you know, it's fun. I, I hear your episodes and I, and people talking about all the skills trainers and in, in Marin now and every name you say, man, I'm like, that kid was a great player. Yeah, even on my yeah. team, you know, like Zach Barello was Zach Barello was probably the most talented kid on our team. I mean, he was an elite, elite basketball player, um, you know, so th there's a lot of talented players kind of throughout the league during the time, um, you know, and I look back on it and just a big smile comes on my face because even some friendships from people we were playing against, you know, like Tim Morgan's one of my best friends right now. Yeah, and, and he was at Novato High School, is an unbelievable shooter at the time. So and still is. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, a lot, lot of good names, a lot, lot of fun times in, in the MCAL. Yeah, Zach Burrell, girl, Redwood Girls varsity coach. Yep. Kids, he could play. Um, so uh, were you recruited out of high school? Like, I mean, MCAL Player of the Year, um, were you getting any any sniffs from schools? Not really. You know, I was uh, 6'4", 6'3". Yeah, yeah uh, kind of slow-footed guard. Like, what position does he play? Can he defend? There was all these kind of question marks. I remember I took a couple fun little recruiting trip trips just to figure it out. Um you know, so uh, Paul Trevor, who I'm sure we'll talk about, was down at Cal State San Bernardino at the time. Yeah. Family and I took a trip down there. Uh, you know, some people, Rich Shaywitz up at Sonoma State. We kind of took a trip yeah. up there just to see what would be a good fit. The only active recruitment was actually Ken Scalmanini down at Claremont McKenna, um, who Tyler Gaffney played for, and his name came up. So I remember actually speaking with him. Um, and then truthfully, I, you know, the, the other opportunity was to play soccer and basketball at Dominican. Um, so that was oh. a unique opportunity that I was thinking about a little bit. So. No, not a lot of recruitment. Um, you know, I took my academics very seriously and, and I wanted to make sure I found a school like potentially Claremont McKenna that, um, you know, would be a, a valuable degree that I'd enjoy the academic side of it, too. And um, so I just kind of took it step by step and got really fortunate with that Cal opportunity. Yeah. So I want to get to Cal. One last question and then we'll close the loop on your high school. Did you play AAU or club in high school? <laughs> Um, a little bit. It was just like the the very start of okay. AAU. And so okay. um, there was a group in, in Marin called the True Players, the Marin True Players. It's actually, it was an awesome group. And Alec Von Tellrop's dad was coaching it. And um, I, I was kind of, it was during soccer season and I kind of played both these sports and didn't, so I wasn't completely invested in the Marin True Players as, you know, I kind of wish I was because it was, they had some fun experiences. Um, and then there was the Oakland Soldiers and 
I yeah. did play a little bit with kind of the call it like the B team of the Oakland Soldiers for a while. But that year, you know, I'm the same age as LeBron James. That year was LeBron James and Leon Poe and like they yeah. were playing on the, the A team of the Oakland Soldiers. So I had no problem being on the, you know, the <laughs> you're B. like, I'm good. Good on the B. Yeah. Yeah. But what we'll talk about, I mean, those connections, again, the, the Marin connections and kind of the Bay Area connections have impacted yeah. my life in so many ways. I've recruited from Mark Olivier over at the Oakland Soldiers for years and years and years now. So where I initially was a player, those relationships um, stand to this day and, and that really helped me out. Awesome. Okay. So, so you go to Cal. So when do you decide, all right, I'm going to walk on? Like, did you, did you make that decision before you step foot on campus or when you get there, do you realize, Hey, I could do this? Yeah, that was, I was fortunate. That was part of the opportunity for me to go there. So I actually um, got rejected from Cal my first time through, you know, I know college admissions are so difficult right now. I know there's a lot of kids going through the process and I tried to put myself in a good position, but first time around didn't get in. Um, and so again, you talk about the many ways that Doug Donnellan impacted my life. He actually mm-hmm. called Louis Raynaud, who is the associate head coach there and said, Hey, I got a guy for you. That would be a great walk on. I think you should think about taking him." Um, and so they tagged my application as a potential athlete. And that's what I think got me over the hump. You know, I was right kind of on the fringe and that, that got me yeah. over the hump to get me into Cal. So, um, Doug and, and a, another coach, another fantastic guy named Barry Kleiman, who was a coach over at Berkeley high school called Ben Braun. Um, and so they both, you know, I kind of planted the seed. I played over there in a bunch of open gyms in the summer leading up to, um, once I'd been admitted to the school leading up to it. So they already kind of knew who I was. And then, yeah, I had still had to go through the tryout process and and was yeah was fortunate to to make the team that year so lou reno add that to the list of former Lavin camp coaches um coach reno was awesome i remember he was at like saint pat's right in vallejo i think is that right for a little while yep and it was at de la salle for a little while de la salle yep awesome guy yeah so that that's really cool so yeah so talk about all right talk about that walk us through your your tryout what's it like going through a tryout as a walk-on so it's so I, I'd say this to maybe some of the potential athletes or high school athletes, some of the people looking to play college basketball is every program does it differently. Don't feel like there's one way when you're talking to a, a college coaching staff, there's one way to go through a walk on tryout. Some some schools have open walk on tryouts. Some schools don't. Sometimes it's done directly through the head coach. Sometimes it's done completely through the assistant. So if you want to play college basketball and you're thinking about walking on, you have to be really proactive and, and touch base with the coaching staff ahead of time. That would be my suggestion. Um, so yeah, my tryout was first week of school, you know, we went there and there was probably 30, 40 people, um, that were trying out, but I was one of the people that they already kind of knew. I already had a bit of a relationship okay. with the players and it started as a one day, uh, two, three hour tryout, just kind of competing. You know, there was some drills in the beginning, some running in the beginning, then just kind of competing. And it's tough to tell, you know, just like I hear you guys talking about the CYO tryouts, it, it, it's tough to tell in one setting, you know, really how yeah. good you are. And, and so a lot of really talented players during that time. And it was as old school as it gets, right? It said, all right, show up tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. And if your name's on the door, you you got, you got made the team. And wow. so we show up the next morning and there's a piece of paper on the door and there's six names on the door. And we're like, wait a second, they didn't take six players. So we all went into the office and they said, we're going to give you six guys a week to compete with the team. And potentially someone will make it, maybe somebody won't. So went through a whole week wow. of playing with the guys started to feel more and more comfortable when we were out there kind of competing with the guys. And at the end of the day, two of us made the team. And I just remember seeing my, my name, you know, with one other guy, when we officially made the team and, you know, walking down the stairs of Hoss Pavilion and tears rolling down my eyes, calling my parents, you know, that, that, those are special memories for sure. So That's amazing, man. Yeah. Wow. Cal was the team I always grew up 
um, loving, you know, that was my team. And so to, to re- you know, realize I made the team was, was pretty special for me. That is, yeah. that's amazing. I mean, um, talk about pressure, right? I mean, you're, yeah, that, that, that's am- good for you, man. That's, that's not easy. Duff, please. Yeah. When we were talking to Mike Sai, I remember Dave, he, he picked out one play where he got, you know, totally knocked over by the biggest guy on the floor and it was either a charge or a block, but he immediately just gave the ball back and, you know, called the block, called the foul on himself. Do you remember any single, you know, plays like that or any intentionality you had during the tryout that uh, you may have nudged you over the, over the line and onto the team? Yeah. uh, You know, I kind of have the sense that they knew who they wanted to take. Like they were, they were putting more credit into just kind of the, the things that Doug Donnell and Barry Kleiman said a, a, a beforehand. But yeah, there was so much yeah. kind of pressure in the tryouts. I absolutely remember the tryouts. I remember they were doing a passing drill. And in the passing drill, it was like, all right, two-hand passes, name calls on the passes, and you have to hit the outside hand every time. You know, just kind of like a, a traditional passing drill. Yeah. And twice in a row, I, I threw the ball in the wrong direction, basically. Um, and, and I remember just panicking you know, breakdown in this, in this past, oh, like, I'm not going to make the team. My career is over. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then, yeah, I remember kind of later in, in, uh, the trial process when we were competing with the team a little bit, making a couple of good plays and, um, you know, some of the coaches making some comments about some of the plays and I felt better at that time. So yeah, those things are still crystal clear in my mind for sure. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my timeline mixed up Prib, but I remember David Liss from Branson also <laughs> played played at yeah. Cal. Were you guys contemporaries or, or, or were you before him? Yeah. I can't, I can't. Dave, Dave, a great friend of mine, um, was a freshman when I was a senior, I believe. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, he, he came in after me, walked on for a year or two. And then uh, when Braun ended up leaving, he went down and, and played um, in those Claremont Pomona schools down there and had an unbelievable career. So, so yeah, Dave right. from, from Branson, um, great player. Yeah. Great, great person. Yeah. It really, really, uh, it was fun to have him along along for the ride for a couple of years. Yeah, he was awesome. So, so now you make you make the team. You go through this baton death march of a tryout. You make it. Um, how do you stack up as a player on that team when you're that you know, freshman year, sophomore year? Yeah, that first year I didn't didn't at all. Um, you know, they were just coming off of a run to the Sweet Sixteen, I believe. Richard Midgley hit a big shot to kind of one of those typical NCAA buzzer beaters over North uh, NC State to bring him to the sweet 16. And, you know, now all of a sudden that's my teammate. And I'm like, wait a second here. You know, it didn't feel real. So I was just soaking it up. I didn't travel. I traveled with the team one time. Um, you know, it was very much kind of a traditional walk on trying to do my best in practice, but I was all about the team. So anything I could do to help the guys around me, I would do. Um, and I think I kind of earned respect throughout that year, just being on the court, being a practice player, being a scout team guy. And that, that time, um, you know, it just it was valuable for me. I settled into school. I settled into my routine, and then by my sophomore year, I felt much more comfortable. Um, and my by my sophomore year, you know, you just kind of got to stay ready. And so there were some injuries that happened, and all of a sudden, my name was called, and kind of made the most of those opportunities my sophomore year. Yeah. So um, you played in. I think I saw somewhere you played in seventy six games in your in your Cal career. Sounds right. Yep. That's pretty impressive. So. Any notables? Any games where you lit it up? Any, any games where you shut down somebody? Uh, give us, give us your highlight reel, Prib. Yeah, I, I'm sure my highlight reel includes a whole bunch of charges and a whole bunch of fouls. I think that was, Love that was probably my highlight reel. But I tell you what, I think um, what that team needed for me, you know, and that's the deal as a walk-on. It's like, where can you create value? And what that team needed for me was just a competitiveness. Um, I came in with a really good freshman class, but maybe not the most competitive guy. So they needed some competitiveness and 
that's that's what I was during my 76 games. I was I guarded, yeah, unbelievable players. Guarded guys like Brandon Roy and Nate Robinson. And um, I mean, I can go down the NBA list. players. Of, oh, yeah, high-level Aaron Flalo at UCLA, high-level NBA guys. Um, you know, that sophomore year, we played Jameer Nelson and Delonte West, like just oh, unbelievable players. And and I was a soft, slow-footed sophomore trying to figure it out. So I would just play really hard. Um, I would try to be locked in on the scouting reports. I would use my fouls wisely, no joke. You know, was, the game was different then. It was, a, I think it was a much more physical game. You could be much more yeah. handsy. I was just hanging on to guys for dear life, trying to make sure I didn't let them score. And, um, you know, Drake Drake gave me a lot of tools defensively to, to be a good positional defender. Um, so didn't turn the ball over and defended my tail off and, and found a way to stay in the game and help my team a little bit. Did you notice um, when you're going through practices at Cal, I mean, because I hear about Doug – being super prepared um, yeah. and meticulous with his practice plans. And I, and I played for Honick and Honick was like that. Yeah. And it, it felt to me, and I've, I've talked to people, it's like, you know, Jonas's practices at Branson, those were like college practices. Yeah. And I've heard the same about Doug. I mean, did you get that sense? Like, so when you're going to go into a Ben Braun practice, yeah, was it kind of, it didn't feel that foreign to you, right? Cause you already had this coach who had, the practices were so detailed and, and structured, right? No, not at all. It didn't feel like any any jump. The, the Drake yeah. practices felt just as competitive, just as serious, um, just as organized, if not more so than, than some of those Cal practices early. Um, yeah, and, and I've heard the same thing about Jonas. You know, it's tough to compare coaches because you only you know, play for one of them or maybe two. And, right. Um, but everything you say about Jonas and everything I've heard about Jonas sounds very similar to Doug from just the preparation standpoint, how, how dialed in they were on making adjustments and game planning. Doug was very, very similar. Um, so yeah, I felt very comfortable with, with that part of the process was showing up to practice every day, ready to compete, ready to, to get better focused. Um, so yeah, that, that was all, that was all fantastic. You know, I think, and Jonas was a big part of my, my life too. Like, you know, I remember my sophomore year, I had one big game, um, sophomore, junior year, one big game against Long Beach State where I actually played a lot of minutes. I think I was like the sixth or seventh man and maybe scored five points, but had six or seven assists and just kind of a solid yeah. one of my better games. And I remember Jonas being there at the game with his son, Isaiah, and walking up yeah. after the game and, and making some great comments. And he's just such a basketball legend that if Jonas tells you you played a good game, it's like, man, I must have done good tonight. You know, it's one of those That's things. high praise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, That's so very cool. Coaching all around for sure. Yeah. Duffy. Uh, Angela we can't is off Duff, to get me. Frozen. Oh. Angela's off to get me some hot coffee. Just an update from my, uh, from my hey, neck of the woods here. I can't. No, I think oh. we lost Duff. Can't hear me? Okay. Yeah, Duffy, mm. your, your, your Wi Fi's not good. I'm sure you're saying insightful things. Um, <laughs> I'm nodding. So, Prib, any notable, so you, you mentioned like, uh, you know, Jameer Nelson, Delonte West, that stuff. So yeah. your, your junior, senior years now, you're, you're, you're on scholarship. How were your Cal teams? We were okay. Yeah, my sophomore year, um, when I started playing a little bit, even though I was still a walk-on, we went to the NCAA tournament, um, lost in the first round on a buzzer beater, you know, which just is kind of the way it works. But It's March, man. It's March. Exactly. You never know. So that, that was a fun team. You know, I had really good players on my team, guys like Leon Poe, who, you know, won a, won a championship with the Boston Celtics and had a great career. Um, guys like Ryan Anderson, who I think was kind of basically the first kind of stretch big man or, or the first one that led to a huge contract. He had an incredible career with the Rockets yeah. their teams. Um, and he was he was a huge part of our, our success there. Um, 
so yeah, we had really, really talented teams. You know, we were kind of up and down throughout my career. Um, you know, I think that that sophomore year team was our best, um, but played against great players and had some really talented players on my team for sure. Really fun. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to um, talk about your, um, I'm, I'm interested. So with perspective as a, as a college player at Cal, you know, coming from Marin, we've talked about what Marin did for you and all the yeah. great things, this community. And and actually this is a question that, uh, that Duffy's brother, Chris uh, asked, which I, I love. He said, so talk about what Marin doesn't prepare you for in the basketball world. Now you hit on this a little bit with Mariani taking you loading you guys up in the bus and going to, going to yeah. Richmond and playing. Right. But, but uh, you know, I, I guess talk about the kind of the downside of Marin when you're in the context of playing D one basketball. Yeah, I think, I was very fortunate that I had that experience with Mariani. Um, I think for maybe young kids who don't have that experience to step outside of the Marin bubble, I think it can be very limiting. Um, you can be a bit of a big fish in a small pond, so to speak. Um, now, in today's day, there are club basketball opportunities. And, you know, I was one of the first coaches with with MBBA and Rick Winter. And, they, you know, they started to do some things where they're traveling. And, um, you know, the opportunities that some of those, that some of those guys have now to travel nationally and get exposure, I think that helps with it. But Marin, especially at the younger ages can be a bit of a bubble and, and yeah, you can, you can be a little bit limited because there are a lot of bigger, faster, stronger, more competitive, maybe a little nastier players out there. And if you're not, if you're not used to competing at that level, um, it can be tough. It can be tough. But, you know, I've, I've always felt like competitiveness was maybe one of my strengths that when we're out there on the court, it's just basketball and I have a little fire in my belly to go out there and just kind of get after it. And I yeah. think part of that was stoked from those Mariani days of going out there into a new environment and just kind of having to having to prove yourself, having to go compete or maybe even the Drake outdoor court days of just, you know, playing yeah. against against grown men, you know, people that are working their nine to five and then they come back and play play pickup on the outdoor court and if you if you lose you're off so you better be there and ready to compete um and so you know, so another great per perfect thing so another another chad stewart gem that he that he sent us was that um you were a gym rat right and and uh we might have some younger listeners who don't know what that is a, a gym rat is is high praise in the basketball world it just means someone who's always at the gym who just always wants to play and so he said he mentioned you you were like every week of pirate camp you were there you would stay after to play. You were at every Drake game as a kid. You never left the gym. So now as a, as a coach, and we're going to get into your coaching, we have a lot to ask you about coaching. Um, but kind of, do you look for the gym rat? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, look, I, I would coach Pirate Camp or what is it, Falcon Camp now? I would coach yeah. Falcon Camp right now. If Reed Nottingham called me up and said, hey, Fred, <laughs> come work a week at camp, I would be there. I, I believe I it. I think I absolutely loved my time at pirate camp and part of it, it was my big brother and you know we can we can talk about aaron a little bit more um, yeah but he's he was there you know going through camp and let's you know maybe i was a third grader there and he was you know five years older and he was going through the process and maybe i got to play a game and knock out with them and that was just the best thing for me you know so i loved being at pirate camp all the time um and coaching pirate camp all the time and then yeah that that gym rat mentality i just it's just kind of was my comfort zone um you know i have great yeah. memories of being in the small gym at Drake, um, is that what they call it? Still the small gym over there. Yep. Yep. And uh, and you know rebounding before a game for Jason Gunnerson. You know, like how unbelievable of an experience is that for a for a seventh grader? He gets a rebound for a, a Hall of Fame yeah. legend like Jason Gunnerson, and I would just watch him and rebound for him. And 
it was the best experience for me, but it was kind of formative because, you know, that's where I learned to, to love the game and learn to kind of put in, put in work like those guys too. So, um, yeah, I was always in the gym, you know, Doug used to pay me, uh, was in candy bars or maybe I'd get some, you know, $5 for, for filming their games when I was, you know, a, a fifth grader and sixth grader. So I was just always around it. Always loved it. So it sounds like the way to, to bribe Pribble was through candy. You got, you got the C's candy <laughs> with Mariani. Got, so this is, yeah, this is good insight. Go. It's um, yeah, it's, exactly. All right. So I, want, I do want to ask about your brother, Aaron. And then I have yeah. Duffy's having some technical issues, but I have a question from Duffy on shoot. And then we're going to get into your coaching. All right. But um, talk about your, your brother, Aaron. Um, his, he's still a history teacher at TAM, right? He is. He is. Yeah. Teacher, author, um, you know, yeah, I, wrote a I, book I, about baseball. Right? He did. Yeah. Pitching in the promised land. He was a professional baseball player and played a year of uh, baseball over in Israel. But, you know, growing up, it, it's you can kind of go different ways. I've seen now that I'm a father, I think about this a little more. Um, you know, I think sometimes you have siblings who are very close in age and that leads to a certain kind of relationship, uh, maybe even a competitive relationship in some ways. And then sometimes you have you have siblings who are a little bit separated from each other and you don't know when they get super close. And for my brother and I being a five year difference he was very much the big brother and I was the little brother all the way through until we both graduated college and now we're best friends. Um, but during that time I was so fortunate because I had this incredible role model who I could just kind of walk in his footsteps and, you know, having great parents and having a great older brother, it's like you, you don't get much luckier in this world than something like that. And so, um, yeah, he, he's a teacher. And to me, like teaching is the most, the most important job in the world. And I, I hate to kind of compare like that, but I just, I, I have so much um, respect yeah. for people who just com- who give their lives to, to teach. Um, and so even to this day, I'm like, Hey, am I doing enough to give back to the community? Because look at what my brother's doing, you know, look at all the time yeah. he's given and how much he cares about his students. And he wrote a book. So should I write a book? It's that kind of mentality. <laughs> so he, he's you been, should, man. Yeah. He, he's been that role model, that hero for me since day one. Um, yeah. He's still just a teacher who, gives his life to, I say just a teacher, meaning like he, he's all in on helping the, the people around him, um, you know, in that, in that community. Um, and he's just, he's, he's just a role model for me. So yeah, very fortunate. Very cool, man. Very, very cool. Uh, say the name of his book again, so we can plug it. Pitching in the Promised he's Land. A, he's actually got a few of them, um, now, but that, that book was called Pitching in the Promised Land. Um, he's also done one on, you know, it's, he's, uh, an academic, right? So he's also done one on yeah. writing within the social studies department. So a great, you know, book that that's used kind of when they're teaching, uh, teachers how, how to, uh, you know, develop writers within the social studies world. And so he's written a couple books. Um, and yeah, he's, he's a great author as well. Very cool, man. All right. Prib, here is Duffy's question about playing old man basketball on the outdoor courts. You ready? <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, Pribble came out to play in an old man tourney with a bunch of youngsters and some old hackers. Um, and then some really good younger players like Pete Elliott and John Elliott, but Pribble was the best out there and was getting hacked a lot, including by Duffy and Duffy's brother, Chris. How did you handle that? Somewhat ironic since your job at Cal was to harass the other team's best player. (laughs) I I don't remember getting hacked. I, I, maybe, maybe it happened, but I tell you what, I do remember not winning the tournament. That was one thing that stood out in my mind is that we, we got bounced probably by the Ballards, you know, partway through the tournament. Yeah. Um, th- those were the best, man. The, the Marin basketball community, sorry if I'm kind of gushing about it on, on here, but That's great. Um, it, it's such a special place for so many reasons. I'm sure they're still playing those outdoor pickup games at Brookside. Um, so whenever I was back in town, this is yeah. post, post Cal or maybe even during Cal, I would come back and play in those tournaments. I, 
you know, I'm in my office right now and I'm looking over my shoulder and I have this, uh, I used to have a Tiger Woods bobblehead, which I think was the MVP trophy for that shoot tournament. So that's still on yeah. my hands over here. And I've assigned pyramid of success from John Wooden that I only got because the Saya family, um, I was very close with them growing up and, and yeah. uh, you know, I had family friends, had connections. In any case, they, you know, they brought me to a UCLA game where Jim Sai was coaching and gave me the, the pyramid of success signed by John Wooden. So there's just all these w- ways where, um, you know, Marin basketball has impacted my life. And the shoot tournament was, was definitely a big part of it. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, very cool. All right. Well, I want to, I want to close the loop on your playing with a little mini crunch time and then we're going to get into your coaching. All right. Yeah. All right. Toughest player you ever played against in Marin. Toughest player I ever played against in Marin. Um, I'd probably end up saying, ooh, you know, Alec Von Tellrop was a was a really good play. It's tough because it depends on timing, right? So my year, yeah. I'd say, you know, Alec Von Tellrop was big time. Tim Morgan was probably the best shooter in the in the league, definitely was out of Nevada. Jada Maestri, like we talked about, was a great player. Yeah. But when I was a sophomore, um, Will Venable, Stevie Johnson, Gene Barnes, guys like that. And then actually when I was a senior, Michael Turner was a sophomore and he, you know, even that year was, was just an absolute um, monster. So a lot of good players during that time. Awesome. Okay. Toughest player you ever played against ever. Toughest player ever. I'd say Brandon Roy. Um, I don't know if the the younger generation knows quite how good Brandon Roy was, but I mean, NBA all-star at, with the trailblazers. And if he didn't get injured, I think would have been the best of all, one of the best of all time. Um, Brandon Roy was incredible. I guarded him when I was at work, tried to guard him, guarded him unsuccessfully when I was at guarded in quote, in quotation marks, in quotations. Yeah. I followed yeah. him around and, and held on to him <laughs> uh, when he was at Washington. And then, you know, Jameer Nelson and Delonte West, those two guys I brought up earlier when yeah. we were on the same at the time, that was a fun team to play against also. All right. Uh, best coach in MCAL history. Oh, those are always tough, man. I, I love you asking questions. I mean, I, I definitely have to say Doug just because he was yeah. um, he was the guy. Obviously, I forget exactly how high he is. I should ask ask Doug or ask Pete Johnson, um, kind of the the MCAL statistician. Totally. Where Doug, yeah, where Doug lines up. But I tell you what, he he was the best coach I ever could have asked for. So um, yeah, very fortunate to have been coached. By He's. Him. We we should we should do. That. I've had that same thought. Like we should get the the all time wins. I mean, but Doug was I think twenty years at Drake, right? I was all right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of wins. I mean, yeah. So in, incredible. Awesome. All right. Favorite Marin restaurant, Prib? It's a good one. You know, I, I know you guys asked this question, so I was thinking about it. There's so many good ones, but I feel like the restaurants I used to go to when I lived in Marin are all gone now. There, you know, there was one called Poochie's in downtown Fairfax. I think it's called Fred Alicio's now. Italian yeah, restaurant. Fred Alicio's. Yeah, yep. So, so good. That was incredible. And the little Poncho Villa's restaurant that was down there, I think is gone. Totally. Yeah, so there, there's a lot of good ones, but I'll go with Fred Alicio's. I like it. I like it. Old school. Uh, very cool. Okay, we're going to, Priv, we're going to close the loop on your playing career. And now we're going to go into your coaching career. Well, Dave, what do you think? Well, it sucked that we lost you. Duff. Player control. I'm taking the player control on that one. Well, oh, it's a, yeah. It I'm not exactly sure what I did to have that happen or to deserve that, but it, it was clearly me. I'm so. not angry. I'm just disappointed, Duff. Uh, I thought Prib was fantastic. Uh, a couple things that I that jumped out to me. Uh, I loved his story about Coach Dave Mariani loading him up in the van 
when they went to, when he went to Whitehill, uh, and they go over over the bridge to the East Bay and and play teams outside of Marin, get out of your comfort zone is what Prib said. Um, I did that when I was seventh eighth grade. Uh, had a huge impact on me, so I, I love that. Um, I love the stories that Ch- Chad Stewart gave us some great stuff on Prib. Just just a gym rat, just loves the game. I mean that that comes through in his voice, right? Just his attitude, even during our conversation. You mentioned this, Duff, the time he took. Prib literally was in, his, he was in his office in Idaho, in Moscow, Idaho. He was leaving from our interview to get on a bus to go to the airport for them to play a team in Washington. Um, so easily he could have said, you know what, I'm too busy to do this. But he took the time, 90 minutes of time, yeah. to talk to us. So, super cool. Yep. Um, <clears throat> a couple things about uh, Prib as a player. I played against him for a number of years in a couple different leagues. Played with him only once in the TAM Summer League. That was awesome. Uh, wish it had been more than that. Uh, but two things about him as a player. One, strength. Just yeah. uh, very solid. You couldn't move him off a spot. Yeah. But not a brute, Just but just really strong. Strong with the ball. Strong getting to his spots. And then... You know, this is a, little, a bit of a cliche day, but for uh, for Pribble, it was absolutely true. Always made the right decision. Yeah. Not a volume shooter, but when he shot from outside, very good shooter, great vision, and you know he hardly ever turned the ball over. Like I can't, in my mind's eye, I can't remember a play where he turned the ball over. So um, anyway, uh, yeah, really fun to watch and uh, kind of a pain to compete against. Feel for the game. We talk about it a lot. Um, <clears throat> I saw Prib play uh, a lot. I remember seeing him play at Cal. Uh, just a feel for the game. Knows how to play. Competitor. Tough. Got the most out of his physical ability. Um, re- truly an inspiration. So We'll post this clip, Dave, because we showed it to our guys before our Marine Catholic game. And it was, I believe, from 2005, maybe. It was uh, Drake, an MC in an MCAL game, may have been a playoff game, and uh, Drake down one, trying to foul, foul, oh, Dib talked about this, right? It was the championship game. It was the championship, okay, so Dib's talked about this, and then if he mentions in that interview, Pribble getting the wide open layup, which is absolutely true, but if you look at the clip, the move that he made on the sideline, out of bounds play to get open before that layup was just a thing of beauty. He took a a step or two like he was coming back in the backport to get the ball and then just charged forward, caught the inbounds. Going downhill. Going downhill. No one even stepped like within a half foot of him before he had the layup. And then he finishes. And then he finishes. To win it. Great. Totally. Great clip. Video quality appears to be from 1932. Yep. The first silent film, perhaps. But it's on uh, YouTube, though. Our yeah. buddy Dave Deneen sent it to us. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thanks, Prib, for joining us. Uh, really fun. And then, yeah, quick play, player control. Duffy's audio. Yes. Yep. That's, uh, that one qualifies. Um, we'll be back. The next episode will be out within a couple days. And then the next after that is legendary coach Jonas Honick. So uh, thank you all for listening. This has been the Run TMC podcast. That is the Run the Marin County podcast. And take it away, Luke Estrakin and Stroke Nine. Sounds good. Burke's on his feet. He looks up and gives me a grin and says, Hey, dude, you too must be from Marin. Marin County
Sugar.